They teach us in rabbinical school that the sign of a really good sermon is that you keep on thinking about it even after services. You see an article in the newspaper, you have a chat with a friend, you take a long walk, and suddenly you think back to what the rabbi said. Now, rabbis think this happens much more often than it actually does, but it does happen. And I have had several moments like that as a congregant over the last three days when I have thought back to Rabbi Bauer's Yom Kippur sermon. If you did not hear it, I really encourage you to go to our website. We have all of our High Holiday sermons on audio file. I urge you to listen to it. It's a powerful reflection on our relationships to God as Jews. I thought about it later that same afternoon during the Ela, during the closing service of Yom Kippur, as we climbed the stairs and opened the ark, and the cantor began to sing the familiar constant tune, Avinu Malkinu. It's one tune that most Jews, no matter how they grew up, know. And in the original version of the High Holiday prayer book of that red moxor gates of repentance that we all hold, they literally translate the Hebrew. Avinu means our father, and Malkenu means our king. So Avinu Malkenu, our father, our king, hear our prayer. But in the second edition of the prayer book, the darker red, which came out in the 90s, they only transliterate the Hebrew, putting it into English characters. So it says, Avinu Malkenu, hear our prayer, as opposed to our father, our king, hear our prayer. The main reason for the change is that the editors were uncomfortable with the gender and theological implications of the prayer. They did not know how they felt about God as a father or God as a king. So they chose to just leave it untranslated. It's kind of interesting to think about the psychology of it. The Hebrew, which many do not understand, was less challenging, less threatening than the English. So even if they hypothetically mean the same thing, they chose to keep it in the Hebrew. At Emmanuel, we have a combination of both colors. We have a combination of both versions, the two editions of the prayer book. And so while some of us were saying, our father, our king, hear our prayers, others were saying, avinu malkenu, hear our prayer. Even amongst the clergy, we actually had about three in three of the prayer books before the ark. So I wondered if the difference impacted congregants' prayers. Did it change how they related to God, or even if they related to God in that moment? Whether they felt connected or alienated, depending on their use of language and imagery. Then later, I thought about Rabbi Bauer's sermon again when studying this week's Torah portion, Ha'azinu. I was reading Moses' final words to the Israelites before they cross into the promised land, into the land of Israel. And there was one passage that I kept coming back to. Listen to the poetry of Deuteronomy 32, describing God's relationship to the Israelite people. God found them in a desert region, in an empty, howling waste. God engirded them, watched over them, guarded them as the pupil of God's eye. 
like an eagle who rouses its nestlings, gliding down to its young. So did God spread wings and take them, bear them along on pinions. God alone did guide them, no alien God alongside. God set them atop the highlands to feast on the yield of the earth, nursing them with honey from the crag and oil from the flinty rock. There are three beautiful images that build upon each other in these verses of Cha'azinu, of the poem that Moses says before he dies. First, God saves Israel from a wasteland and offers her clothing and protection. Second, God carries and guides Israel like an eagle with a baby bird, holding them in her claws. And third, God literally nurses. It's the verb like a mother would do with a newborn. Nurses baby Israel like a mother. They are all, in different ways, maternal images. And the last one seems the most intriguing. There is only one other time in the Hebrew Bible where this verb, to nurse, yanak, is associated with God. In Isaiah 49, 15, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the children of her womb? These may forget, but I will not forget you. The Isaiah, the prophetic verse, draws a comparison. God is even more committed to Israel than a woman is committed to her newborn baby, the fruit of her womb. But the Deuteronomy verse earlier is even stronger than Isaiah. God is the mother. God actually nurses Israel with honey and oil from a rock. So we have these two different images Avinu Malkenu from the High Holiday Liturgy and the Torah portion of Cha'azinu from this Shabbat. God as father and king and God as mother. So where does it leave us? How can we build upon the conversation that Rabbi Bauer started and continue to explore the many layers of each of our complicated Jewish theologies? I think one place to start is metaphor. Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg explains, when Jews say Avinu Malkenu, it's not because we really believe that God is either literally a parent, stern, loving, or both, or king, benevolent, exacting, or both. Rather, we need some way to relate to the divine, to the perfect unity, the transcendent power, the infinite expansiveness that reflects our own feelings of smallness in comparison. We are so used to metaphor in our secular lives. In school, we learn that when Homer writes fingers of dawn, he does not literally mean that the sun has fingers. But when it comes to understanding Torah or liturgy, metaphors are something that we still struggle with. We have different standards for truth in literature than we do in scripture or prayer. Rabbi Larry Hoffman, a teacher of all of ours from the Hebrew Union College, the Seminary for the Reform Movement, teaches, it remains crucial for us to distinguish metaphors from literal reality, coming as they must from our limited human perspective. Our claims about God are only metaphorically true. We should be careful 
not to make idols of our limited divine imagery. Not to make idols of our divine imagery. What is Hoffman teaching us? When we force our texts into narrow places of the literal, into the one-dimensional world where God actually sits on a throne or actually nurses baby Israel, our prayers and the metaphors within them are tools to relate to God. There are hundreds of metaphors for God within the Hebrew Bible and our liturgy. Some of them even directly contradict each other. But they are not meant to be purely rational, purely literal. Metaphors are different entryways as we explore our constantly evolving relationship to God. They allow us to be creative and flexible as we struggle to put our minds around the ultimate mystery. No one metaphor is perfect. Some of us associate a father figure with love and protection, while for others of us, it brings up anger and manipulation. Some of us find the image of God as mother with her newborn baby incredibly powerful and beautiful, while for others, it makes us very uncomfortable. And that is why our text gives us so many metaphors to engage with, and why we continue to find new metaphors that speak to us, Lador Vador, from generation to generation. Rabbi Bauer presented us with a great task on Yom Kippur, to wrestle as members of the Jewish people and to each find our own theological path. Engaging with the images for God in our, in our Torah and in our prayers is one avenue to begin that journey this year as we start the new Jewish year. To experiment with them as metaphors and to begin to paint a portrait of the divine. Shabbat Shalom.